0: Now folks, I want to ask you a question based on real estate as we start out. Now, I just recently moved from one house to another. And there are three words that every real estate agent longs to have as a part of his selling of a home or the right kind of home. What are the three favorite words of a real estate agent? Can you say it with me? Location, location, location. You know what the favorite word and the consistency of a Christian should be? Three words. Testimony, testimony, testimony testimony. Last night, I challenged folks, for those that weren't here, to make sure you check out to see whether or not you're doing things God's way. That you're truly setting forth a testimony of Christ-likeness. Not what you think it's about, not what you feel should be done, but biblically understanding what that representation is, how it's to be set forth to rightly represent Jesus, and just simply choose to be like Christ. Now what messes that all up? Sinful choosing, carnality, worldliness that we just again dub okay when God says He hates it. When God says, we should hate it too. And it becomes like an old, familiar, hurtful friend that just plagues our lives and keeps us from having the right testimony that represents Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you remember this statement or not, but I mentioned during my message, you sin because you choose to sin. Do you all remember that? That's an important factor of even what I'm preaching tonight, folks. You can have victory over sin. I haven't preached this message, I can't remember the last time. I preach this during a revival meeting, but I recently had a fellowship time with a man who is full-time in vocation as far as a Christian counselor's concern. concerned. Now he mostly deals with full-time servants like a pastor, evangelist, and missionary, but I tell you what, folks, he went on with heartbreaking story after heartbreaking story of how Christians just choose to sin and mess up their call in Christ Jesus. Now, folks, that happens with preachers. Do you understand that, missionaries, evangelists? But, boy, does it happen big time with laymen, folks just like you in local churches. But let me say it again. You sin because you choose to sin. If you want to have a right testimony, folks, it's available through the power and working of God. But it's a choice that you must make to be more pleasing unto God than, again, pleasing unto self. Now, one of the reasons I'm preaching this is to give you this definition. Now, when I worked at the Wilds, I, I worked at the Wilds for several years. It's a phenomenal... Shatek is marvelous, okay, people? But there's this big booming camp down in North Carolina that looks like a luxury resort. It's called the Wilds Camp and. Conference Center, just amazing ministry uh, set forth of God. But folks, when I worked there, they gave me this definition of a very important thing needed in testimony. You know what that definition was about? integrity. So I would encourage you to write this down. This is worthy to have in the front of your Bible, and I'll give it to you a couple times, hopefully, before we're done. But this is the best definition of integrity that I've ever heard, and I think it will be very convicting, very challenging, but hopefully life-changing as you choose to be like Christ and have the testimony that's biblical. Here's the definition. Integrity is complete obedience, regardless of who is watching. The intensity of the temptation or the severity of the pressure. I'll go again. I'll give it two more times at least. It's complete obedience. What does that mean? I'm just going to do what's right. I I, I don't matter. I'm not going to do my thing at the expense of being unfaithful to God. So flat out, I choose to do what's right. Complete obedience, regardless of who is watching, the intensity of the temptation, I've got to have it, I want it, I'm no, 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 no. You have to want a testimony for Christ more. The intensity of the temptation, or here's the last part, or the severity of the pressure. Folks, you old folks understand these kids don't get it yet, but peer pressure never stops. Pressure to go do your thing, it never leaves you in this old weak, rotten body you're parked in. So folks, you have a choice. You have the victory. You can do what's right if you'll just choose to be a person of integrity. Some of you already hate me because I went too fast. So let me give it one more time. It's complete. Some of you're going, "Huh?" Oh. I'm just at the first statement part, okay? I know, they're, I know they're big words, okay, but even the homeschoolers can do this. Okay, let's try it again. Do we have any homeschoolers? Do we? Okay, I, I, I. maybe not one of them back here, but we'll see here. Integrity is complete obedience regardless of who is watching, the intensity of the temptation, or the severity of the pressure. Now folks, I want to show this in what I call poster child presentation. And it's, it's about a guy we know well by the name of Joseph. So I want you to take your Bibles and get ready to go. If you would please go to the book of Genesis here tonight. And let's see how old Joe does in the midst of a new boss, new responsibilities, and new temptations. Go with me again to Genesis, and we'll, we'll have a good time around the Word of God, just painting up a good picture of what integrity is all about. Look at chapter 39. That's where we're going to spend a lot of time here. Now, let's have a word of prayer before I forget to do this, and then we'll just kind of, again, go through this step by step, verse by verse, and just show you how it can be done through the power and working of God. What can be done? Victory over sin. Doing what's right and staying faithful until Jesus takes you home for all eternity, which seems to be a major problem for most people. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us now as we look at this testimony of Joseph. Lord, integrity is so lacking today. Now, Lord, I may just be preaching to one person here tonight, but Lord, you burden my heart to do as such. But Lord, if there's some here who are holding on or harboring sinful choices, that ripped them off from a right testimony, God freed them from that bondage of sin. As we mentioned, whether it's an attitude or an action, God, help us to be so concerned about you that we're very concerned about what kind of testimony we set forth. And God, it should be nothing less than an unquestionable testimony of integrity. So, Lord, help us to learn from these principles and truths. God, bring conviction as you know conviction needs to be brought. And then, God, don't let them be bashful. Some of these folks have been very hesitant to respond on an invitation. God, don't let them blow it tonight. Don't let them miss hearing the Word of God. But, Lord, being a faithful steward to respond to the convicting of God on the invitation even here tonight. Lord, save that one that needs to be saved. I don't care how long the men come into this church. I don't care how much they know about you. But Lord, if they're not confident of their eternal destiny, God, awaken them to their need of Jesus Christ. Help them to turn from their sin and by faith receive Jesus as personal Savior this hour. God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. Help us, God, to show that appreciation by seeking to keep your commandments. We praise and thank you now for this opportunity, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let's look at this new boss. Now y'all remember the story, don't you? You know, Joe has half brothers, half sisters, got a home filled with strife, maybe a dysfunctional home, and the guys were very jealous against Joe. Why? Because dad showed favoritism. He gave him that coat of many colors that probably should have gone to old Reuben, but God honored the faithfulness of Joseph even through his Well, the guys took an opportunity to sell Joe into slavery, and again, that's how God chooses to preserve the people of God. We know the rest of that story. But let's go where Joseph, again, has an obvious right choice of victory over ongoing temptation to be immoral and perverted before God and man. So who's this new boss he's working for? We know it's Potiphar. He's a military guy, and he's a guy that's used to giving orders for a living. Y'all with me? So he quickly understands and really responds to a guy who's submissive to authority. And boy, we see that loud and clear through Joseph. Now, the boss really liked his work, and why would you, folks? It says down here, if you look with me at verses 2 and 3, It says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And the master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Folks, even the unsaved, they recognize the Lord was with him. Do people see that in you? Or do they have no clear visual perspective that your life's any different than theirs? Are you one of those chameleon Christians? You know, when you're with godly people, you act godly. But when you're with the ungodly crowd, you're so under peer pressure. You're trying to get acceptance that you compromise on your representation of Jesus Christ. You know, I used to think that was just for kids. But how many adults have a horrible testimony in their community? It's just by the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, popped this into my brain. I was at Home Depot in in, uh, Simpsonville, South Carolina. I remember like it was yesterday. And there's this guy I went to church with who was just a nice guy. He seemed to have just all these ducks in a row spiritually. And when he came to the counter, he started railing on this cashier, growling about this thing and about that thing. You know, I, was, I didn't say anything. I just kind of backed into the darkness as such. Because, you know what, I wanted to confront him at that point, but it wasn't the opportunity at that point. But you know what, he wasn't thinking about his testimony. Because he manifested an unsaved presentation. Yeah, he was frustrated, but folks, you don't let the frustration gain the victory, and you fly off the handle and misrepresent my Jesus. And you know what? That guy's testimony was blown out of the water as far as faithfulness is concerned. Had another guy come to me after I gave a message and challenge on testimony one time. He says, you know what happened to me, Brother Maynard? I went in to buy a car. You know, it's amazing as a car dealer. I used to have a car dealership. It's amazing to me how many people, Christians, turn into Count Dracula when they come to buy an automobile. It's like they, if they're going to save $10, you know, they're going to do whatever it takes to save $10. And I'm going to rip you off or you rip me off. That's not really the approach I think you're supposed to have when you go anywhere. But this guy says, these guys tried to rip me off. He says, I was studied, I was prepared, and they were very unethical and very unfair in the dealings. I said, what'd you do? He says, I blew up. I, I just, I mean, I uncorked, I unleashed, I told them what they needed to hear. But he said, I was a horrible testimony. So I went home and under great... and he's a godly guy, okay? He just went to Stupidville for a little while. Y'all understand how we moved there? And you know what happens, folks? Listen, some people unpack their suitcases. Y'all with me here? They just stay in Stupidville. But this guy, he got home and God convicted him that, hey, money, getting a deal on a car or an appliance or whatever was more important than representing Jesus. So what'd you do next? Well, I asked God's forgiveness first of all. Then I went back the next day to that car dealership and I asked their forgiveness. And I didn't apologize for their, you know, their unethical practices, their rotten deal. He said, Were they backpedaling trying to get me a good deal after that? So crime pays, people. Crime pays. Your sin. (laughs) No, you know what? God honored him. You hear me? God honored him for doing a right thing. He understood the cause of Christ was more important than him getting his way or having circumstances be the way that were, again, pleasing and acceptable unto him. Folks, how important is your testimony? Aren't you thankful, old Joe here, he had a testimony that was so, so obvious that even the unsaved crowd said, hey, this guy is of God. And what did he have a testimony of a servant servant. Isn't that the way we're supposed to be? You know, isn't that Philippians 2 still in active order supposedly in our lives that we're not here to give unto ourselves, but it's Jesus first, others second, yourself last. We know that acrostic of joy but what shows up in your testimony as you go forth on a daily basis. Now, I mentioned last night for the folks that weren't here, you know, there needs to be more messages on work ethic for the believer. Because, folks, some of the laziest people I've been around are Christians. Some of the most worthless, worthless servants of God are people who say they know Jesus as personal Savior. Now, I'm not giving this illustration to brag on me, but I, I just under God just gave me the understanding to do this. Okay, and to God be the glory. When I went down to Bob Jones for school, uh, you know, I had my own car dealership and I was 25 years old, just clicking on 26 when I went to BJ. Well, I had it set up at the Ford dealership to be a a car salesman down there. I mean, that would be like a, you know, just a easy skate for me as such. But I got down there and these guys at the car dealership, the other salesmen, they were ticked off because the only time I could come is what you call in the profession a cherry-picking time, you know, when the traffic comes the most. See, car dealers have to endure, you know, where they're playing solitaire all day long, you know, hoping someone comes in. And then there's that time where folks get off work and really they have more of an opportunity of sales. Well, just normal in a lot of places. Well, what happened, I didn't get the opportunity to be a car salesman. So I needed a job, people. I've got a family. I've got bills to pay like everybody else. I was looking all over Greenville and I I walked into this car auto parts store. I'm in a three-piece suit. You know, I'm I, I'm looking like I'm ready to preach, you know, down at the amphitheater at Bob Jones University, and they're kind of looking at me like go, is this a funeral director? What's going on here? Is it, you know what? And I walk in there and the guy told me, the boss, he said, "You're overqualified. You know, the only thing we need is a stock boy." I said, "I'll take it." You know what? That was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I remodeled their entire, I mean, it was a huge, folks, the, the, uh, the whole, uh, uh parts area was as big as this whole church. And even wider. And I cleaned every box. Some of those have been there since like 1830. Are you with me here? I mean, it was the dirtiest. I cleaned every shelf. I even cleaned all the smoke and junk that was on the ceilings in the, in the whole sales room. And, and why did I do that? Because the last guy was there was a Bob Jones guy. And he preached and he preached, but he never practiced the right testimony. You with me? And boy, did I hear about that even when I got the job. And they basically told me, you keep your trap shut. We've heard enough about your hypocrisy and your Bob Jones baloney. So I had a hole to dig out of, folks. So what did I do? I work better than anybody could possibly work from, that, that I possibly could be a part of. And, and I sacrificially went far beyond what I was supposed to do. Why? So they'd like me? Well, it's helpful in your witnessing if they like you. You all right? You know, it's, you smack them, you stomp them, you, you know, you're, you're a turkey and a, a bozo brain. Well, who wants to hear what you have to say? Well, I did build relationships on purpose, but I bought opportunities through faithful effort to witness for Jesus. Guess what happened about after about four year, three or four years? They started coming to me. They started asking me questions. And, and I'm telling you folks, I had phenomenal opportunities of ministering in that place. And it's because I just made a choice to represent Jesus in a biblical way. Maybe the reason you don't have opportunities to witness to your family or witness to your neighbors or witness to people you work with is because you're not the testimony you're supposed to be. Especially in the workplace, when they're telling ungodly things, you're right there in the midst and you don't take a stand. When again, there's an activity of non-productive effort in some place, I don't care if you're a union member or not, or whatever the case may be, you don't go down to their depths of horrible representation. You stand above and out from the crowd and say, I'm not here for a paycheck. I'm here to represent Jesus Christ. Like it says in Ephesians chapter uh, 6, you know, I'm doing it as unto the Lord. Doing the will of God from the heart. Boy, that's the testimony that God's pleased with. But folks, that's the testimony that will make the impact like we can and should make an impact. So new boss, man, things are cooking, booking, and getting done. The guy is a testimony of righteous representation. Now, what are his responsibility? Well, he was there to submit to a, an ungodly authority. And folks, what a major contrast between a godly dad versus an ungodly military guy. But Joseph understood that he submitted to the earthly authority because of his heavenly authority. Now, I parked on this last night, but I'm going to restate it. Good boss, bad boss. You know, nasty as Randy Tannis at Shitek. We talked about that last night. You know, I I want you to know, Pastor and I are going to minister to his needs tomorrow, okay? You know, he thinks he's just going out to eat with us, but it's a ministry from our behalf for you, okay, to try to help him out, okay? So be in much prayer for us as we meet with the camp director tomorrow. (laughs) We really are going to lunch tomorrow, but it probably won't be real spiritual. So, you know, folks... This guy again made a choice to be honorable because he chose to honor his God. God still wants this, folks. He wants us to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What does that mean? Getting a job done God's way. Whatever the responsibilities, whether you like them or not, you know, whether again it's it's a busy time or not, so busy. We've got to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, here's why I'm preaching this message tonight. Because of the new temptations that Joe faces at this juncture of his life. Now, folks, have you thought through this story? Have you really thought this through? Talk about a guy with a banquet table of opportunity, of sinful choosing. I mean, he's away from his parents. He's, he's away for any structure of accountability of godly people and godly responsibility. He can do about anything he chooses to do. And you know what, folks? He'd be encouraged to do it, wouldn't he? But he had a testimony just like Daniel. Now, what was the testimony of Daniel? that you all, We all know it. Daniel did what? purposed in his heart. What was the statement? That he would not defile himself. You think somewhere over here, he said, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be a testimony of integrity. No matter how good it feels, no matter how much I want it, I'm going to do what's right. What's that? Another representation of, hey, integrity. So Joseph here He's on his own. You know, at least, you know, at least Daniel had some sidekicks there to have some accountability with. But Joseph stands right for God. But listen carefully, he stands alone and he chooses to do what's Right. Now, we know there's a specific ongoing temptation here. It's immorality with Potiphar's wife. And it says in this passage, as you go down in the story, and we'll get to that here in just a moment, but it says that she you know, went after him day by day. But you know the victory phrase of Joe and his testimony, it says, but he refused. Now, folks, I'm telling you, compromise is in abundance today. Preachers and laymen are dropping left and right. I mean, it's amazing to me. Every preacher's meeting I go to, they talk about this guy or this pastor's wife or this deacon in a church, this Sunday school teacher who made a choice to be immoral and just hurt the cause of Christ. Don't you get tired of that? I mean, how many guys from my generation, how many guys in younger, uh, again, ministry opportunities, they're so defiled. And they choose again to just not buy up the victory that's available in Christ. Now, what did he do? He turned her out. He says, not going to go there, not going to do that. Now, folks, I think you know the story well enough. I don't have to read the whole passage. But can I ask you a question? Do you think she was a spoiled mama? Talk to me. You know, she's probably painted up like some Egyptian non-Proverbs 31 woman. That was a nice way to say it, was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She, she wasn't real godly in her representation. I'm sure she was a bit scuzzy, maybe slinky and stinky and whatever as far as a right moral presentation. And you think she was spoiled rotten? You think she was used to getting whatever she wanted? And it added injury, pain, and insult to her life that she couldn't get Joseph to do his ungodly thing with her. So let's go to the story here. and Let me read several verses. We'll read starting in verse 11 down through verse 20. Then I want to tell you the key factors of victory over sin. Because folks, I don't care if you're a man, woman, or child, the devil's after you. And He is looking to rip you off of a right representation for the cause. I don't care how godly you deem yourself to be. If you're again so pious in your presentation, you think you're beyond it, you'll probably be the first one to fall flat on your face spiritually. And you'll hurt the cause of Christ like the cause of Christ does not deserve to be hurt. So look on down here with me in verse 11. It says here, it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. Normal procedures of faithfulness, but folks, being set up for the kill as such. It says there was none men of the house there within. Now, who do you think setting this little uh, program up? Well, it's the drama queen here. Boy, she could win an Oscar, folks, the way she performs. Look down at verse 12. It says, she, Potiphar's wife, caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. You're not sure what to do when the temptation comes? Run for the hills. Flee even all appearances of evil, folks. Don't see how close you can get to the situation before you get burnt or defiled or messed up. No, run for the hills and flee. Again, even all appearance of evil. And that's what he does here. Well, she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I had lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid upon his garment by her until the Lord came home. Now, folks, I can just picture this. You know, before her husband arrived, Potiphar, I'm sure she kind of messed her hair up a little bit, maybe tore her dress or whatever, whatever she had there to set forth. But she was putting on a performance, a performance, and she's gonna show Joseph what's going on and she's in control. But God, folks, is really in control as we know. So look on in this passage. It says in the next verse, And she spake unto him according to these words, The Hebrew servant, verse 17, Which thou hast brought unto us, came unto me to mock me. And it came to pass when I lifted up my voice and cried, They left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, that, you you know, this is carnal probably, or maybe this is just human reasoning. You know, when he's hearing all this, he's probably going, Oh, I hate to lose this guy. <laughs> you know, and he's the best worker. You know, she's nasty all the time. I'm sure if she's this un you know, trustworthy and unloyal. It's probably not the first incident. Y'all with me here? Now that's just my own recollection and perspective, of this, but what happens? He does the right response as far as protecting the honor of his wife. It says, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. He was hot, folks. It says, and Joseph master took him and put him into a prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. What was that, folks? That was ministry number two, wasn't it? God used a bad situation to prepare him for the next installment of ministry. Folks, you understand God does that with you daily? He is looking to order your steps to prepare you to do what He'd have done next. And it's not always pleasant. It's preparation, folks. God needs you here, so He allows certain circumstances to have here. Even though you may be unjustly treated, even though it may not be a real smooth ride, but a lot of potholes and chuckles, God still knows what's best. Trust Him and obey Him and don't get bitter. Don't wave angry fist in the face of God and cry, unfair. God, you're... here I'm trying to be faithful and service. God, you're not blessing my life. Yeah, he is. It's just not according to your perspective. You don't see the beginning from the end. You don't know where God wants to take you next. We know the outline of Joseph's life. He went from the prison to the palace. You know, he went, you know, he's from, from the, what do, what do we, how do we say it? He goes from the, well, he gets thrown in a hole. Then he goes to, you know, to Potiphar's, and then he goes to the prison, and then he goes to the palace. That's how the outline goes. Yeah, and folks, it's all of God's directing hand to, again, preserve God's people through the life and testimony of Joseph. So Joe's in jail. I wish I had time to preach about Joe's jail ministry. He had a phenomenal ministry, and God honored him, even in the midst of having a right spirit in a very terrible Disgusting situation, folks. You know Joe didn't have the orange suit like a lot of folks do. Do you folks have those in in, in Wisconsin? When a guy goes to jail, he gets those lovely fluorescent orange suits. You know, someplace they still in down south, south they still give him the Three Stooges prison outfits. Have you seen those? You know, with the stripes and stuff. You're not going to get get away going to Seven Eleven on your own with that outfit on. I'll tell you right now. But folks, these are very disgusting bacteria, just horrible situations but Joe still cared about pleasing God. And the folks there saw that God was with him. They saw that Joe, again, was a good worker, even though I'm sure he wasn't real pleased to be in that situation. So, folks, this gal does I'll show you thing, but God shows what he can do by his directing hand. So how did Joseph come to a point of right testimony, a testimony of integrity? Well, let me give you three things here and I'll be done. First of all, Joe said no way, no how. Why? Look down with me at verse 8. Would you go back to that verse again? In verse 8, says, But he refused and said unto his master's wife, look at it here, he says, Behold, my master wotteth not what is within the house, and he hath commanded all that he hath to be at my hand. You know what he's saying, folks? If I choose to sin, I'll disappoint others that are looking unto me. You know, that's, that's a motivator. You know, I don't want to blow it for my parents' sake. Do You know that? I really don't. I don't want to blow it because I don't want my kids to say my dad was faithful till here. I don't want that. I don't want to hear that from, I don't want my grandkids to have to live with a a hypocritical, unfaithful grandpa. I don't want that. I don't want to hear that from you. I'm accountable to hundreds, thousands of people in my ministry endeavors. And I don't want you to have a story about how Mike Maynard used to be faithful. And I could give you a long list of preachers who have fallen to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life, as I mentioned. But Joseph said, I cannot do this because I'll disappoint others that look up to me. That's a motivator. Let me give you the second one here. It's down in verse 9. And it says in verse 9, I'm sure he's saying this humbly, but he says, there's none greater in in this house, Neither neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because, here's the phrase, thou art his wife. He says, I will defile you, and you're not mine to have. Dave Jaspers used this illustration. I I got this from here. And and Terry's liable to get nauseated when I do this illustration. So please try to endure this. Now, what would you people think? If after the service, you know, Terry and I kind of come down to the front seat down here and we're kind of, you know, kind of snuggled up next to each other and kind of giving the sizzle, sizzle burn to one another. You know what, how teenagers do, you know, and, and, and what happens, I kind of do the yawn thing and put my arm around her and then, and then we walk out of this auditorium hand in hand. You know what would happen? Daryl would kill me, okay? <laughs> and He should! But why is that so wrong? Because she belongs to Him. Let let me help the teenagers here. Now, some of you guys will never have a girlfriend, let alone get married. I'm looking at you. I understand (laughs) what you're facing every day. But you know what? Some of you girls, some of you guys, someday the opportunity may come by God's wonderful working and His will. Make sure it's His will, not your own choosing. But you understand, when you're even dating and even marriage still belong to God? You know, how possessive we get in this flesh towards someone we say we're in love with. Doesn't that person, teenagers, you're dating still belongs to Jesus? How dare you defile them? But I love them. No, you're lusting after them. Folks, love always seeks to give its best to the one you love. You hear me? And what's best for anybody? God's will. And God's will is purity, not immorality. God's will is faithfulness, not unfaithfulness. So I'm telling you, when you get in that dating mode, guys, your brain will go dead. You'll just kind of go, And I mean, it happens to every guy, every girl. They go, "Uh, Jesus who? You know, standards what? I love, blah, blah, blah. And and you know, it's just a normal thing of the flesh, but don't be normal. Rise above the normal and be Christ-like and say, hey, they belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I must not defile him. I must not defile her because you aren't mine to have that activity with. Amen me, parents, I'm helping you here, okay? Amen me loud and clear, grandparents, because you wish all your kids were here too. And this is the same message I've given to my kids over and over and over and over again. And I will my grandkids, because folks, we belong to God. We're bought with a price. Glorify God, His body, His spirit, which are God's. That's, you know, our, we belong to Him through the shed blood of Jesus. So Joseph says, you're not, Terry, okay? You need a bromo? You want some Pepto? Okay, all right, all right, all right. There, I just, I just want to see, like on the old cartoons, when I mentioned that illustration that steam would come out of Daryl's ears, you know, pastor's ears, you know, just like... Pshoo! All right, all right, all right. So, first of all, he says, I can't go here and do this because I'll disappoint others that look up to me. Secondly, because I will defile you. You are not mine to have. You belong to him. And here's the biggest motivator of all, folks. He says, I will dis. Please, God. Let me read all of verse 9. Let me read it all in, 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 in one lump sum here. It says, There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. Look at this. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now, folks, I got humbled and blessed today. I got to share this with you. I had a boy call me from a Christian college, a boy I've known since he was in elementary school. And now he's like a sophomore, I think maybe a junior in in Bible college. He says, Brother Maynard, I had an assignment given to me and and I want you to help me. I said, oh, I'll help you if I can. He said, I was supposed to call so many godly heroes in my life, folks I look up to that have been a pace set or an example for me. I said, well, why'd you call me? (laughs) That's what I told him I did. He says, because you You've always been a blessing and courage. I said, well, praise the Lord. I'm thankful. I hope I don't mess that, that testimony up. And he asked me several questions, but he asked me again, what kept me accountable as far as doing what's right? And I told him about certain friends I had that keep me accountable with my family. I've got guys that ask me, how's Sean? How are you doing together? And all that stuff. And even in ministry, I, I've got certain preachers that just get in my face. And my wife, what a wonderful accountability partner. She sees things that women have discernment, guys, sometimes we don't have a clue about, especially when it comes to the onslaughts of another woman or whatever. Keep listening. Listen carefully. Don't be, yeah, she thinks I'm pretty good looking. Yeah. Well, maybe she's just one desperate woman. Okay. But you know what? Listen to the warnings of those that care about you to tell you, hey, look out. Don't go there and do that. So it was a very fun time of fellowship very uh, very humbling and very fun, but I just gave him principles like i 'm giving you here tonight. You know what? why do I do right because i don't wanna, i don't want to hurt jesus <laughs> i don 't want to hurt his working i, I don 't want to disappoint my lord and that 's the statement folks underscore that in your Bible. How can I do this great wickedness? You think that even applies when you sent your taxes in? Since we're pretty close to that opportunity of spending that stuff you deem real precious, did you fudge? You know what that's called? Sin. Did you lie on your taxes to save five dollars or five zillion dollars? Your testimony's worth more than that. Do you hear me? Your testimony is worth you having things of the world and bypassing the things of God to please and honor Him. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? One more verse and I'll be done. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. And let me show you why you sin because you choose to sin. This is a wonder. I hope you got this memorized. I hope this is just a very well-known, well-practiced verse in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you'll go there with me. And let's, let me show you something here. Go down to verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. I might have said that different. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You all know where I'm going, don't you? Look at the verse. It says here, now I'll give you time to get there. It says, there hath no temptation taken you, but what's, that such as is common to man. But God is faithful, listen carefully, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Folks, you sin because you choose to sin. I don't care how gratifying it is. I don't care how long you've desired this activity of flesh feeding, whatever. You know what? You sin because you make a choice to do your thing rather than pleasing and honoring God. You know what you've done? You've canceled out a testimony of integrity. What's integrity, people? Let me give it one more time. Complete obedience regardless of who is watching. The intensity of the temptation or the severity of the pressure. Folks, it just comes down the bottom line. I don't matter, and it's all about pleasing my God. I must do right and have a testimony of, hey, integrity. Would you bow your heads and hearts, please? Heads bowed and eyes closed. You know, I had a, a couple folks kind of talk to me on the way out the door last night, and they, they said, you know what, I should have come forward last night. God convicted me. I blew it. I listened to my flesh instead of trusting and obeying God. My pride got the best of me. Don't let that happen tonight, people. You know, for nothing else, come down here and say, God, don't let me go down the path of unfaithful choosing. God, help me to establish, or God, help me to hang on for the ride and be a consistent, continual testimony of integrity. Now, here's what may need to happen. Now, again, you're going to have to figure this one out through the discerning work of God. Your sinful choosing may have not just defiled you, but defiled others. You may have, again, in your choosing of daily activity, been such a horrible testimony to your family. You need to man up and go to your family and ask their forgiveness. You may have blown it royally with some business. or or maybe some some, uh, other friendship opportunity or fellowship here, and you compromised on your stand for Christ. You didn't, again, represent my Jesus with integrity. You come and get it right with God. But before, again, this week's over, you get it right with those that you've set forth a horrible, contradictive testimony for likeness, and simply say, hey, would you please forgive me? Oh, folks, what are the three words of importance for us believers? Testimony, testimony, testimony.